0: Good morning, my name is Pastor Alfredo Peña and we're excited that you are joining us this morning. The scripture reading for today is in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, and the title of my sermon is Family Matters. Let us go to the scripture this morning in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, Take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth, about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most loving God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gift of life, God, and we thank you for the gift of our faith. We ask, Holy God, this morning that you just uh, touch our hearts, God, uh, open our ears so that we can hear your word and, and allow us, God, to be able to receive it and apply it in Your li- in our lives. We thank you for this time together, and it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, uh, let me ask you a question. How many of us have experienced conflict within our families? This is a perfect time for me to ask that question because you're not at church and you can feel freely uh, to raise your hand where you are at home. Um, However, if you're sitting with your spouse or or with your children and you're afraid to raise your hand or you have your spouse looking at you saying, you better not raise your hand, then this message is especially for you. One of the major contributing factors to family dysfunction is not that we have conflict, is that we fail to acknowledge and deal with it. And I get it, it is uncomfortable and and we don't like it. It doesn't feel good and so we try to to avoid it too so that we can keep the peace is what we say. Although peace is not really just the um, absence of conflict. But for the sake of you know I just don't want to argue, I don't want us to go there, we we tend to not say anything. But the problem is that by doing so we're not resolving the issue. Um, In fact, um, because we're not saying anything. The person might continue to um, to do the things that they're doing or behave the way they're behaving because they don't know that um, it's hurting us or it's making us, um, you know, feel uncomfortable. And so they continue to do it. And so what we do is we then start building resentment. And then we get to a place where we just create some separation. We don't want to be around um, those individuals. And that's why, you know, sometimes, you know, we don't because we don't deal with a uh, conflict within the family. There's people that don't want to go home for the holidays, or, or they, they do go, but they go because they, you know, expecting that there's going to be a fight or, you know, something that tends to sometimes that could happen when you have family members coming together. Um, a strong family is not one that doesn't have conflict, um, it is one that knows how to deal with it in an, effect, in an effective manner. Is having the right heart, um, having the right attitude, and that will result in the right outcomes. So what if I told you that um, the same applies to the church? Now, one of the things that, that I love to hear as a pastor is when a member of the congregation refers to us as their church family or their spiritual family. You know, and to, to me, that's just, it's just great because it, it means that we have uh, reached a higher level of connection. And it is great. However, the same conflicts will arise because we have the same dynamics within the church as well. So then what do we do? Today we're going to look at how Jesus tells us step by step on how to deal with conflict. We'll look at our three life application points this morning. So get your pens and your paper ready to take some notes. Here's the first life application point. Conflict is inevitable. Anytime that we have humans together um, and coexist together, we will have conflict. Anytime that we have Christians together, we're going to have differences which could result in conflict. Anytime that we put Christians together that come from different faith backgrounds, we are going to have some differences that could be potential for conflict. And then if you add the difference in race and generations and culture, I mean, we just keep adding, adding layers of, 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 of difficulty uh, when it comes to bringing people together and all those things together could be a wonderful things because, because all those things together is what brings diversity and diversity is great. However, if we're not careful and we don't know how to deal with the conflicts that arise from all those differences then we can just also be a walking time bomb so conflict is inevitable church there it is you know, there's just no way around it. Um, we are going to um, always have that potential for conflict because we are continuing to, to evolve and, and, and we have differences in, in opinions and perspectives and, or even sometimes just in the way we communicate with each other. So we, um, we will have those conflicts. But in order for us to um, achieve Um, the unity and the strengths and and the intimacy that we need to achieve as a ministry so that we can be effective is we're gonna have to learn how to deal with those things. So instead of avoiding conflict, let's expect it and let's grow closer together through it. You know, when I counsel um, a couple that is going to get married. Uh, one of the things that I ask in, in our counseling session is to tell me about their last fight, and, and it's interesting because um, you know sometimes you know that's not something that we want to share, right? But but I always struggle when and I worry when they tell me, "Oh, we never fight," because especially when you know there's two individuals coming together that that. Um, you know, we're independent, we have our own, you know, backgrounds, we we have our own experiences, and we're trying to bring those things together, it will create some conflict. So when I hear couples saying we never fight, that really worries me, because that means that, A, either they're not being truthful, or two, somebody is being extremely oppressed and controlled, and those two things are not good. Because it is through conflict that we say, hey, wait a minute. I have a voice, I have an opinion, I matter. And and when we raise our hand and when we, when we speak up, that's when sometimes the conflict happens because we don't know how to do that. And so many times we just stay quiet or many times just to avoid the, the, the conflict, um, we just go along with it. But every time, every incident, we build up more resentment and we build up more anger. And so when somebody tells me we never fight, I really worry because I think one day, one day, it'll all come out at once. And and that is not going to be pretty. Um, so it is through conflict. It is through through conflict that can be that that catalyst to intimacy. Because again, we 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 get to speak up because we get to say my opinion matters, my voice matters. I had a I, I have a, a, I should have a decision, uh, or or a, I should have an option. Um, you know, in this process. And so so it's important that we learn that it is not the differences that create a problem. It's when we don't know. How to deal with them when we don't create a space safe enough for everyone to be able to voice their concerns or voice their differences and and know that our goal is not to create separation but to work through them how do we um able, how are we able to accomplish having all these differences and still being able to come together and we're going to talk more about that but but it is important that we know how To raise our voice that we know how to say what we need to say and be able to work through it and Jesus tells us here exactly how we do that and that is the second life application point. So when we are dealing with conflict, when we're dealing with these kinds of differences, the goal should be to seek to restore our brother. That should be the the goal when we are approaching somebody to talk about this. You know, he gives us these steps to help us restore the relationship, and that should be our goal. So, 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 why do I have to clarify that? And, and I think it's because we can get caught up in, in, in conflict uh, by saying, well, my goal is to win the argument. My goal is to prove a point. My goal is to try to discredit the person. And church, we've got to be careful because here Jesus is telling us, you know, you generally need to want to restore that relationship. And that's why these three steps are going to be important. But if that is not your goal, then if your goal is only going to be the things that I just mentioned, then I assure you, uh, you're not going to get to a productive place by doing that. So he gives us four steps four, four steps that we need to take and that we should take uh, when we have conflict within the church. And I think these are good steps also to take in our own personal, um, uh, personal lives. So the first one is to speak, um, with them on a one-to-one basis. Um, the second one is to take two or, or three, um, sorry one or two individuals that, that go with you to deal with the situation. Um, the third one is to bring it before the church. And the fourth one is when we kind of get to a place of separation. So, so we're going to talk about those three steps. I'm not going to, not going to go into a lot of detail, um, on them, because I think, um, they're are pretty easy to understand. They're pretty basic to understand. Um, I think when we complicate it is when we don't want to accept the simplicity of it um, because we're not necessarily happy with, um, our goal is not necessarily to restore the relationship. So this is the thing that we, we must um, understand before, before we even take um, step one is we must be in the right mindset. Before you go and talk to somebody, you know, one of the things that I like to do when I'm going to um, speak with somebody and, and I know I'm going to have to address a, a degree of, of uh, conflict. Is, it's I always try to think about maybe five, good things about the individual. So before I'm gonna go even go talk to them, I, I think, Lord, help me see um, some some positive things, the good things about this individual. Because if I stay in the mindset of focusing on just what I think they're doing wrong, then that tends to not be a very productive conversation. So we never wanna go with somebody with that kind of approach. We must be in the right mindset. We must be prayed up. The other thing that I always like to do before I, um, you know, start a, a difficult conversation is I'd like to make my own assessment. Am I contributing to this situation? What is it that I'm doing? Because here the approach is when somebody sins, you know, against you, but but what happens if I'm the one that sinned against them or, or how am I contributing to this thing? You know, what, is, what role am I playing in this? And that's always very important that we keep in the in the right mindset. But ultimately, this is the most important one that I think we need to remember. This church, at any time that we're going to deal with conflict, this should be step one, and that is to go to Galatians 6.1. That should be the first step, and that should be a non-negotiable. This is where we should go, not just to read it, but we should pray about it. We should use this scripture in our devotion time before we even approach the individual. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. If you are spiritual, you need to be gentle. And you know, and here it's interesting, and let's be honest: you know, sometimes we get to that place of spirituality when we are so I'm unwilling to be able to tell somebody when they're doing something wrong. You know, we can feel so spiritual that we can call out the sin, we can call out the trespass. However, we don't seem to be so spiritual when we have to do it in a loving way and in a gentle way. So, so we must be in the right mindset. We must uh, look at the scripture. And if we feel that the spirit is moving us to address the situation, which we should, then let's be gentle and let's let's make sure that we are loving as well. So it says, talk to the person, talk to them one-on-one, do it by yourself. Don't, listen, church, listen. come here. You, you don't, don't want to miss this you don't go talk to 10 people before you actually go talk to them. The scripture says, go to them first. And um, be in the right mindset, be gentle and loving, and and go to them on a one-to-one basis. You don't need to talk about it with 10 other people. Let me tell you something, if you're talking about it with other people before you talk to that person, that really is gossip. And, and you're not going to be able to restore a relationship if your uh, first step is to gossip. So, so, so we wanna be serious about this, right? Our goal is to restore the situation, the relationship. So we go to them on a one-on-one basis. You know why this is also important? Because sometimes we don't even realize when we're doing something that offends somebody else. Sometimes we don't really because we're not doing it on purpose. And so, so, so it is important that you're able to bring um, this information up to the individual so that maybe they weren't aware that they were doing that. So that's why that one-on-one is important and, and maybe you can resolve it there. and it doesn't have to go any, any further than that. <clears throat> However, there might be situations in which that's not going to help. Right? You, you've done, you've taken the approach, you've, you've prayed up, you're you, you in the right mindset, you've done the own assessment, you know, did I contribute into this thing and then you brought it up and they chose not to listen. Well then, your next step is to go and take one or two individuals to go with you. Now this is really important, that you choose the right um, individuals because you don't want to go, you don't want to choose somebody who is not mature enough spiritually to help you. You, you don't want to take somebody who you already know is just going to take your side, or that person might know they're just going to take your side. You, you want to go with somebody who's going to be honest enough to, with you to say, you know what, I think that you are contributing to this situation, or, or they can tell you, you know, I think it is your flesh um, that that's wanting you to, to confront or approach this person, and, and that that those individuals will help you uh, pray and and talk through this process. However, if you are in agreement that you need to address the situation with this person, then make sure you choose the right individuals. Again, you want to use the right ones you want to use the ones that are going to whose goal is also going to be to restore the relationship so this really you need to be really careful don't go to somebody that says "Ooh, you know i, I can't believe he did that to you oh, what a jerk yeah let's go talk to them right uh, you don't want to to take individuals and say yeah you know let's go land, uh, lay some hands on those individuals those are not the people that you want to take and, and I don't know I'm making lie of the situation, but it's really important that we choose the right people. You know, I, I I remember using this example, and I hope it makes sense to you, but if somebody's drowning and I'm in the middle of that conflict, you know, I'm not gonna be able to be much help. At that point, I'm I'm in the same situation and maybe I can't I can't swim, right? Because I, I'm so caught up in this conflict. So what I'm gonna do to try to help them is I wanna get individuals who know how to swim. I wanna get individuals that are gonna be able to jump in there and help bring this person, help save this person. So I'm not gonna go out and get people that are that don't know how to swim. And by that I mean, I'm not gonna go out and get individuals who are not spiritually mature enough to be able to, to navigate through this process. So the two, one or two people that you choose uh, to take with you is gonna be very important. And and you know what, hopefully it will get resolved there and there will be no need to go any further. But, you know, scripture tells us that that still might not work. And so then you go and you take it before the church. Now, it doesn't mean that you go stand in the pulpit and, and you, you know, just say it to the entire church. It means that you go through the process. Most churches have, you know, steps in place where you can speak to the clergy, you can speak to the board, you can speak to the elders, you can speak to the ministry leads. It doesn't mean you have to go to the entire church, but you go through the right individuals and and you share with them the, the situation that's happening. And then, you know, they also are available to try to help you through that process. However, sometimes that still doesn't work and that's where you know the fourth step says you treat them as, as heathen or a tax collector and, and what that means is you know at this point you're realizing that maybe they're just not walking with the Lord at this point you're realizing that you know their contribution to the situation or, or or their sin um it's not one that they they just didn't know it's one that's intentional um, at that point, then you realize that, that, you know, it might be more dangerous um, to allow them to, to stay. Um, and so sometimes it says separation is necessary. Now, again, our goal, is to restore. So if we as the church are considered consider the body and, and your arm is injured, your arm hurts, your first step is not going to go to try to amputate it. That, that is not what, we're, what we want to do, right? The first goal is let's do whatever we have to do to try to save it. However, if at some point um, it gets to the point where if we don't amputate this, the infection is gonna continue, or, or it's going to take on um, a life of its own, or it's gonna lead to death, and then at some point, you know, that is gonna be the decision to make, and that applies to churches as well. You know, There could be a time in where we would have to have that conversation or, or that announcement to say, so-and-so is no longer with us, so-and-so is no longer leading this ministry, or please be careful uh, this so-and-so if you see so-and-so in the church, uh, please notify somebody because um, again, sometimes it can get to a place where they're just not walking with the Lord, where they're not trying to to um, be a contributing uh, member in a positive way, um, where their intentions are to hurt. And so we, we we look at these steps and these steps are important. But we also have to remember that, that our goal is always gonna be restoration. And so, so when, when it says to treat them as heathens, or or tax collectors it doesn't mean that we give up on them you know jesus didn't give up on heathens or tax collectors otherwise we wouldn't be here right and so so jesus in fact had dinner and went to uh, the tax collectors home so so we know that it didn't mean that jesus would just close the door and say you are dead to me so so there has to be a degree of separation for you know whatever reason but it doesn't mean that we stop praying for them. It doesn't mean that ultimately we continue to pray that the Holy Spirit reaches them and restores them and they're able to walk away from that situation or that sin that that they're dealing with. So the goal is always restoration with the right mindset, going to scripture and prayer, and we don't give up on that individual. And here's the third life application point, discipline, is an act of love. I'm going to be. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to speak to you like I'm the pastor this morning. Um, the times in my life when I have experienced the most important growth, when I've learned valuable lessons, when I've realized my potential, is when someone loved me enough to call me out, to correct me and or to discipline me. And, and whether it was my parents or, or a teacher or, or my pastor or, or my spouse or, or a good friend, it's always because they love me enough to say, that's not your best. They love me enough to say, you can do better. They love me enough to say, you are better than that. And and we've got to take it in the right spirit. But the reality is, if we if we didn't care, if we didn't love, then we would just allow people to continue in their destructive behaviors. But we are called as a church, as a Christian family, to help restore those individuals. So so part of that is involves correction. Part of that does involve um, discipline. And and again. When we do it in the right mindset when we do it pray by being prayed up and when we're we're grounded on scripture the results can be great the results will be great but we must love someone enough to say that's not right please stop and the other thing to remember is in a healthy relationship and this includes in the church when somebody comes to us and tells us your behavior, what you did was wrong and it hurt me or it bothered me, a healthy person will stop. A healthy person will just stop doing it. We do not, a a healthy person will not say, well, you shouldn't see it that way, or that's not what I meant, or "You're, you're, you're, you know, you're taking it wrong. No, a healthy person, in fact, will say, thank you for letting me know. It's okay to say those were not my intentions, but you must uh, be able to be healthy enough and mature enough to listen to what the individual tells you and, and just stop. A healthy relationship will be able to do that. A healthy person will be able to do that. If our attitude is to be loving and gentle we're able to overcome many things. Scripture says that love will, will, be, uh, will allow us to overcome many different things. Conflict is not the problem. It is our attitude and approach that will make a difference. And our approach must be grounded in Scripture and prayer. And I guarantee you, Scripture tells us we will have a good outcome. Church, I will end with this. Look at verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. When it talks about agreement, it is very important as a church if we're going to be able to reach that level of intimacy and that that level of greatness and the way that god wants to use us we must be able to be in agreement you know the greek word for agreement is something which is where we get the word symphony from and a symphony consists of different instruments working together to make music every instrument is different Every instrument has a different part. Every instrument is different, is made differently. We have some instruments that are made out of, out of metal. And we have some instruments that are made out of wood. We have some instruments that are woodwinds. They have some instruments that are string. And, and and every instrument is different. But when we, when they work together, they make some beautiful music. When they are in agreement, but when they're not in agreement, then all we do is make noise. You know, when I was um, thinking about this, I remembered this is this is a true story um, in our church. Uh, a few years ago, we, as one of our fundraisers, we were gonna go out and, and you know, we formed a little mariachi band, and we we're gonna go and do Mañanitas for the moms on uh, Mother's Day. And so, you know, Pastor uh, Rev. Donna and I were in a room and we're about to practice the first time we do this. So I'm, I've got my saxophone and she's got her trumpet and, and we're, we're playing away. And it, is, it was hilarious because then we stopped and, and she says, you know, what song are you playing? And I'm like, well, I'm playing this song. And she's like, well, that's the same one that I'm playing. <laughs> and church, you would have never known that. It, it did not sound like music at all. It definitely didn't sound like it was the same song. Um, so, so we just had to stop. And then we had to learn that we had to work together. And, and, and she played her part and I played my part. And, and then we listened to each other to make sure that we were in sync or in agreement. Um, we, we did it in a way that we weren't trying to overpower the other. And we were able to see the value in the contribution that the other one had. I need you to play your part so that my part can sound better, can sound like music. So when we come in agreement, when, when we are willing to, to even sometimes, you know, pause and, and allow you to do your part, to allow you to do your solo. So not, not to try to override each other. Listen, if all of us were the same instrument it, and played the same music, it wouldn't be much of a symphony. So the fact that every one of us are different, the fact that we all have a different background and we all have a different role to play, it's by design. It is what makes us as a church powerful in our diversity so so when we allow each other to to play our part when we when we understand the value that the other one has we can make some beautiful music for a world that so desperately needs it this is the word of the lord this morning thanks be to god let us pray most living and loving god we just Thank you for this message, God. And we thank you, Father God, for the intimacy, God, out of this message. To know, Holy God, that, you know, that, that conflict is inevitable. But give us your eyes, God, so that we can see that conflict is also a way for us to be able, God, to get closer, to be more united, to be able to see each other's value, to be able to not take each other for granted. So we thank you, Holy God, for for allowing us, God, to to understand that and and to learn to embrace it and and, and by such embrace the diversity of our church. We, We ask, Holy God, that you always give us the mindset, God, and the goal to restore the relationship, to win the person over, not win the argument to allow us father god to let go of 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 the need to be right and instead god be able to be open enough to be able to listen to the other person and be able to listen to their needs and we and we thank you father god for those that have used that you have used before um, to help us in our growth to bring that discipline god that sometimes it's necessary that is done god from a place of love that correction, God, that, that you also do, God, that is grounded on your scripture. And we thank you because it is through the, the discipline of love, God, that we are able to, to reach, God, our potential. That we are able to know that, that we cannot settle for less than, than what you've built us and created us to be. And to know our worth and our value, to not accept less, God, than, than what you want for us to have and so holy god we ask that you just use all of us god and all that we bring all that we contribute god to use our diversity god so that we can go out and be that beautiful symphony bringing that 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 music to the ears of the people that are so desperately need it today use us in a mighty way help us be able to see each other's contribution. Help us stay in our lanes and and play our part and and help us understand, God, that sometimes it requires for us to rest so that the others, God, may be able to play their part. But we always do it in a spirit of love, in a mindset, God, of gentleness, and always um, grounded on your word and in prayer. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for this valuable lesson. And we do this and claim it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank you so much for joining us this morning. It is our prayer, like it is every Sunday, that this message and that this service was a blessing to you. We invite you to visit our website, nb-ccc.org, so you can get some additional information about our church. Send us your prayer requests so that we can keep you prayed up. And also, send us your testimonies um, and your praise reports, um, because we know God is answering all the prayers. It's also an opportunity for you to give your love offerings and your tithing, and to be able to, to stay connected. Now church, you heard the message today. Now let's go and make some music. God bless you and we'll see you next week.